Welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is sponsored by Olipop, the fastest growing functional beverage brand in the country. They make delicious sodas that taste like the ones I remember from childhood, but with much, much less sugar and packed with beneficial natural ingredients that are good for you and good for your gut. Did you know that 90% of Americans consume way more than the USDA's recommended daily added sugar intake of 30 grams? Sweetened beverages like soda are the leading source of added sugars in the American diet, and Olipop is a great solution. They are much, much lower in sugar than conventional sodas, with only two to five grams of natural sugar and no added sugar per can. Their vintage cola, for instance, has just two grams of sugar as compared to regular Coca-Cola, which has 39 grams of sugar. Their orange squeeze has five grams of sugar compared to orange Fanta, which has 44. All of their products are non-GMO, vegan, paleo, and keto friendly with less than eight grams of net carbs per can. And they're so confident that you will love their products that they offer a 100% money back guarantee for orders placed through their website. As a special deal just for you, receive 15% off your purchase. I recommend trying their variety pack, although I love all of their flavors. Go to drinkolipop.com slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P.com slash wellnessmama. Olipop can also be found in over 5,000 stores across the country, including Kroger, Whole Foods, Sprouts, and more. This podcast is sponsored by Haya Health Children's Vitamins. That's H-I-Y-A. Did you know most children's vitamins are basically just candy in disguise? Often they're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, a lot of chemicals, artificial flavors or colors, or gummy junk that kids should never eat. Often with synthetic forms of vitamins that aren't even that bioavailable for our kids. But Haya is different. They're made with zero sugar, zero gummy junk or fillers or additives, and it tastes great. So it's perfect even for picky eaters. Haya is designed to fill the most common gaps in modern children's diets and to provide full body nourishment for our kids with a taste that we won't have to fight them on. They are manufactured in the USA with globally sourced ingredients that are each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption and quality verified. Haya arrives straight to your door on a pediatrician recommended schedule. And your first month comes with a reusable glass bottle that your kids can personalize with stickers. And then every month comes in a no plastic refill pouch of fresh vitamins, which means Haya isn't just great for your kids, it's also good for the environment and reduces waste. You can learn more at hayahealth.com slash wellnessmama and the code wellnessmama will save you 50%. So again, that's H-I-Y-A health dot com slash wellness mama make sure to use the code wellness mama to save 50 percent hello and welcome to the wellness mama podcast i'm katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com that's wellness with an e on the end that's my personal care line and in this episode i am here with camila alves mcconaughey and we talk about everything from her new book, which is a really fun educational book that helps combat picky eating in a fun way about the importance of community and her community that she runs called Women of Today, and a lot about parenting and how she actually implements these things in her actual home and how she encourages her kids to really enjoy nutrient-dense foods and how she encourages them to make healthy food choices without dictating it. Um, We get to go deep on that. We also talk about mom guilt and the guidelines they have in their home for technology, how they model things that are important to their family culture, to their children, how she maintains keeping motherhood always a priority, even when things get most busy. 
And we talk a lot about the importance of starting conversations early, whether it comes to educating kids about food, about technology, uh, about not underestimating how capable they are of learning and understanding and helping early on. And she shares a really cool story about how she um, really internalized that lesson for herself in a really unique place. And she shares some of her favorite, her favorite book, some advice, and we just go a lot of different directions in this episode. It was such a fun conversation. I really respect the work that she does, especially around the topic of community and how important that is for women and moms, especially. And she's very aligned with me and mission focused on helping other women and realizing just how powerful moms are and that if we support each other as women and moms that can make a tremendous difference in society so lots of lots of different directions in this conversation i hope that you will enjoy it as much as i did and without further ado let's join camilla camilla welcome thanks so much for being here thank you so much for having me i'm excited to take this time together I am excited too. I love your mission. I've seen your work all over the internet, but I really appreciate the heart you have for helping other moms and families. And you've done this in so many different ways. We're going to talk about some of those today. But before we do, I have a note in my show notes that you lived in five different countries by the time you were a teenager. And I would just love to hear a little bit about that. That's so cool. Yes. So I would say it was actually on my late, like between nine. 19 and early 20s and you know I've I was doing modeling and it the work took me everywhere in the world I mean so many places so I live in Greece I lived in Italy I lived in Paris Israel I went to Africa I mean I was all over the place and I was doing it by myself and you know a lot of times people think oh you know yeah, but you were modeling, it's all glamorous. And I'm like, no, not at all. I mean, you know, you show up and they literally give you, you know, a map, a per diem that was not much at all, like very little and a, a metro card, you know, a, a train card for the week. And they say, you know, and every day you would have, you know, 20 and sometimes, 50, you know, more than that appointments, go sees. And they just say, go, like, it was no, like, anybody help you navigate. And I mean, you try to do that in Greece with like the letters are not even the same (laughs) as we use. It's a, it's, it was quite of a journey, but I don't think I would be the person that I am today if I didn't have that experience, right? Because I came from Brazil, then United States, then went to all these places and truly lived and lived like they did. And I think that it really opened up my mind for in, in a way that I just would have not, right? If I didn't have those experiences. And I think that a lot of the compassion I have in my heart for all kinds of people, I think also comes from that early on experience to seeing different people go through all kinds of stuff. And it's really cool now because I have still have friends from back then, like that I'm still friends with today. You know, it's like, so when we go to Greece, I'm seeing friends that, we used to party together when we were 20 and now have kids and you know what I mean? Like I have my kids. So it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Well, I have not traveled that extensively, but I will say the travel I've done, especially internationally, you're so right. It gives you this different lens for the world and such a unique, cool perspective on other cultures. Did you bring back any like f- cultural food that you love from other places or life lessons that came from other cultures? Oh, I think that look so many life lessons so much inspiration of food. That's a lot of like, you know, 
how, I mean, I, I, I'm heavy Brazilian influence on my cooking, but the spectrum of spices and seasoning, like all those things, like, you know, like being in Turkey at the spice market is like, you've never, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. Like how, like, what do you even do with all this stuff? Right. With all, so like having that exposure really helps me of being open to other things, but I, I do want to bring it up something though, because as we're talking, right. It is a lot of people that their job don't take them to a bunch of places internationally and, or they can afford to, or whatever, for whatever reasons, right? Or have a lot of family, can't travel that much. But what I learned is that once I kind of stopped traveling, living abroad, and like I had to stay more in the United States because of kids little and all of that, I started traveling more in the United States. And I started learning how diverse the culture is here. And I think that a lot of times people, you know, think, oh, to see different cultures, to understand different sides or different foods and all of that, you got to go really far. And I actually see, actually, no, like you can, you know, you can drive to New Orleans and you're going to see a whole different, right, experience and food and flavors and colors and all of that, that you're going to see in Texas. And is you can literally just drive there. Right. So I think that's an important point to open up people's minds if they don't travel that much that I think that culture, even like internally, it's really important. I'm so glad you said that because the U.S., we do have so much amazing diversity. And also that's one thing I love about cooking, especially I know you have kids as well. Cooking with kids is you can get cookbooks from those places, even from the library. And you can, in a sense, like explore other cultures through cooking together with your kids and learning about it and those different spices and like the cool, unique flavors of other cultures without ever even leaving your home. Like I feel like food can take us on such a journey. Food can be the opening to so much. Like, you know, we used to do at our household and the kids were little, we used to do like, you know, we used to pick different countries to make food out of those countries and to teach the kids about that place. And we'd just start a conversation. And it wasn't, and I'm not talking like high level conversation or anything like that, but it would just be like, you know, well, this is what they eat and this is what they do. And that's where it is. Right. And they look this way and this is why they look this way or this and that. Like, and you, you start that conversation. And all of a sudden kids are like stuff. It's just easy for them to relate to and digest. Right. So we'll have taco, you know, you go from easy as taco to let's make sushi. You know what I mean? Like it, it just, you can, yes, food can be the opening to so much. I love that. And I know you have so many projects that you work on and so many things that you juggle, but it also seems like from what I've read of your work, you are very, very intentional in keeping family a focus and making sure you have like family time at home and that you're instilling that you have this very certain family environment and you're instilling certain values in your kids. Um, so I'd love to jump in there as knowing you're a busy mom as well. Like what are some of the ways that you keep family time a focus, especially in today's super fast paced world? Yes. You know what? It's, it, it's challenging. It's super challenging. And the way that, that I, I think that everybody should have a list of priorities, right? And at the end of the day, when you put your head in the pillow, you can go through your, your pyramid, right? Of priorities and go, okay, I, I, I balanced that out good today. Or no, I got to focus more on that tomorrow. The, the challenge with that is that as moms, we always have the guilt, right? If we're, if we're doing anything that's outside of taking care of 
this, like, you know, if we're not giving enough time to the kids, then we're guilty. If we're not giving enough time to work, then we're guilty. If we're not taking time out with the household, we're it, it's all this guilt, right? I don't need to explain. We all know here. <laughs> but I think that for me, what I have practiced is I have my priority list, right? And by the way, that priority changes, right? Depending what's going on in our lives. But my family is always at the top. My family is always at the top. So I know that as long as I can have peace of mind that my family, it's okay. The kids are okay. And, and again, when it's crazy, even if it's like the little mini breaks, just like before this, I had 10 minutes and my kids were playing outside. They wanted to show me, you know, some tricks that they were doing. And instead of getting on another email to re reply and stuff, I was like, okay, you have 10 minutes. I just sat outside. And I'm like, okay, I got a few minutes. Show me the tricks, right? But they feel like, okay, I got that little fix, right? And I think that, you know, if you put, so for me, family is on top and then everything else comes after. And if I feel like I gave enough just to my priority number one, I always find that everything else works out. When I don't give just my priority number one, I feel like everything else kind of gets messy. Because then the troubles that I have are bigger and affect me more than all of a sudden I'm a mess. Then everything else becomes, you know, for work or this and that, then I can't accomplish everything else in the way that I like to or need to. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And I've heard parenting experts refer to that as like mind, body, and soul time, or that even just a few minutes, like to your point, 10 or 15 minutes of intentional time with our kids, it helps them refill their cup and have that belonging and significance within the family. And it emotionally does that for us as moms too. And then we feel so much more grounded in everything else we have to get done. Yeah. And I do think too, that, you know, a lot of times parents, you know, do this thing where they're like, well, I'm doing this and the kids are doing that. And then when I'm done, then I'll come talk to you or I'll come see you, whatever, which is fine. I'm not judging, but I've, with my kids, when I do that, I see that it doesn't work really well for them. What I've noticed that works really well for them is when they understand what I'm doing, why I'm doing so then they don't feel like, oh, she's just not giving me attention or she doesn't think I'm important or anything like that. It's more like, no, I'm doing the laundry right now, because if I don't do that, you're going to run out of uniforms to go to school. And then what are you going to go to school? And hey, what about this? I'll put it on the washer. We go play. And then I then go do what I need to do. And you put in the dryer. And then you pull out and fold, right? So like you start giving them ownerships of being part of your journey and the tasks that you have to do. So they have a full understanding of like, okay, my mom is doing this because of this and that. Like, you know, today I had to have meetings, things that has to do with our family and they wanted to me to give them attention. It's like, guys, I can't because I have to go meet with these people. They're going to help our family do this, 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 and that. And they're like, Oh, okay. Got it. We got breakfast. Go. Like, so they don't, you know, they kind of then want to help. And then later on they come, how did it go? Like they want, then want to know how was it, you know, and, and then it become part of the conversation. So I, I, for me, I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. I'm just sharing what has worked for me. Right. How do you do it? Because with, with everything that you do. 
Very similar. I think you hit a key point that I found with mine as well, that idea of letting them have ownership of part of it or feeling like they're actually contributing to the family as well. And it's not like I'm your mom and I'm doing all of these things for you, but we're working together as a family toward these things that are good for all of us and letting them not just be involved in like a superficial way where they feel like they're helping, but actually they are contributing too. And we're all in this together. I'm big on also, I have six, so it gets overwhelming at times. If I was, when they were younger, I would try to do everything for them. And I'm sure you've learned this lesson too of now I won't do anything for them that they're capable of doing themselves because I'm like, I don't want to take away from them that ability to feel ownership and autonomy and that they're contributing. And like, we are a team in this family unit. We're all working together to have this harmonious home. It's not me as the mom doing all of this for everyone. It's so important. I'm so happy that you're sharing that that has worked for your household as well. First of all, I don't even know how you do it with six. I give you so much credit and props. I have no idea how you do it with six. I'm with three and I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, and everybody tells me, go for the fourth. It's just, you know, once you have three, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth is all the same. I'm like, I don't believe you. I'm like, I don't believe you. Uh-uh. <laughs> But I'm, I'm going to admit something here to you, right? It's between moms. Like I was guilty of that too, of like, you know, like going above and beyond of doing things for the kids. And again, I grew up in Brazil. The culture is different, right? The, the Latin culture does have a bit of, you know, you, you take care, you know, anyway, if you're Latin, you know what I'm talking about. But, um, and, and, you know, we went on this trip to Cambodia uh, we actually we were actually living in Thailand on a project and I took the kids to Cambodia by myself. Matthew couldn't come. I was like, no, I really want to see this place. I'm going with the kids by myself. And I got there and I told the guide that was with us, I said, listen, I want to go to an orphanage to try to help some kids. But I don't want to go to the orphanage that everybody is right. That the tour, all the tourists goes that already gets all the help. I want to go to a place that people nobody goes to that people don't know about that the locals help, right? So he, we go on this journey to get to this place. And I'm telling you that halfway there, I was like, oh my gosh, this is where everything turns bad. I'm like, I don't know this guy. This, I mean, the, the, the whole road there, the neighbor, it was all shady. I'm like, this is so, I'm like, there we go. I'm like, that's the horror thing. That's where the, you know, the stories go from good to bad. It's about to happen here. And I'm trying to be cool in the car. We finally pull up to this place. And it was a locked gate. So at first I'm like, there we go. I'm like, it's, this is not an orphanage. It's a gate with a chain on it and nobody's answering and, and none of that. And all of a sudden this kid comes out and then this other kid comes out. And then we eventually would go in and what we saw in this place on how the kids were living, going about their lives and actually how they were actually the personal run the thing wasn't there they were just all taking care of each other you know just the amount of the amount of food how you know they were cooking they were doing all the stuff and everything that they had I just was like after that experience I left and I was like I'm not I I realized to me without you know because we're in America it's a different situation and again my Latin culture and I was like oh my gosh like without realizing I'm really I'm doing too much for my kids and I'm not giving them the justice of, as you say, giving them that, you know, that pride of, you know, 
the little things, right? Like taking care of the house, like we're not. So when we came back, I was like, that's it. I'm in, unless if I have to do it, really do it for you, I can do it, right? Like I went to the extreme, you know? So now, you know, they wake up there, do their own back breakfast. They, you know, like they, they've learned how to get in the kitchen. Like they're, they're pretty independent and self-sufficient in a way, but that experience really kind of changed my, my mind because I wasn't realizing, right? And it kind of opened up my mind. I know it's a wild situation to need to go through to open up your mind, but I was just into, you know, I was in my little box, right? At the time. I bet that was a transformative experience for you and for them too. And I think back to ideas of like, how as a mom, can I model things, not just tell my kids, but how can I model for them what our values as a family? And one of those is like, of course, wanting to help other people in any way, like in need that we can. And of course we can give money to charities, but I wanted with my kids to make it more tangible. And so at Christmas, we secretly adopt other families and buy them gifts and food and all these things, and then go like secretly deliver it. And I always just thought that was a super fun project, but it ended up being the kid's favorite part of Christmas. They look forward to that more than they look forward to getting gifts. And so I love experiences like that when you talked about, because it probably really like stuck with your kids and that's going to be a thing they remember into adulthood, I'm sure. No, it really is, you know, and it was funny because on that trip, right, I, I told them, I said, okay, each one of you has this budget and we're going to go to the store and we're going to go buy stuff for, we, we did multiple trips to different places that, you know, like the orphanage and a village, like places that really need stuff. And we were going to this village and, and we were going to do school actually. And I gave them a budget to, to go to the store, you know, and the kids, I mean, they got the regular stuff, but then all of a sudden they start buying toothbrushes. And I was like, and I was kind of going like, guys, I think they need more books and notebooks and pencils and all those things versus toothbrush. And as I was telling them, I was like, no, let it, let them go do their process. Like let them have ownership of this. And I kid you not, the toothbrushes were the biggest hit from everything they got. It was like the kids were fighting over the toothbrushes. And I was like, see, there we go. I not saying anything anymore. <laughs> That's so beautiful. I love that. And I want to make sure we have time also to talk about, I want to hear kind of the story behind you ended up writing a children's book that I'm super excited to get my hands on. And I want to hear about this, the process of how you ended up writing it. And then maybe we'll go granular on how you handle, you know, food culture and picky eating in your own home. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, the book is called Just Try One Bite. I have it right here. I'm excited. So I'm going to show it to you. Yay. Isn't it so cute? Oh, it's cute. I love it. Yes. And the idea behind the book is that, you know, I just learned so much from having three kids, from doing a business that, you know, with uh, Yummy Spoonfuls and other business I've done in terms of just the importance of starting the conversation early with your kids. And I'm not here to tell you, you got to follow this system or this diet or you got to be vegan or eat meat or not eat meat i'm not here to tell you this guys okay i think that you should do what works for your family but i am here to tell you that the conversation of how important it is of your child understanding that the relationship with food and what the food does to their body and where it comes from and what it's processed food, what is fresh food, how does that affect it all, what is real food, what is a treat and how that works. You really start to set up your child 
to have the good foundation. And if you set up a good foundation, most likely, most likely you're setting your child for a lifelong of good habits. Instead of later on, they're going to learn this stuff later on anyway, the easy way or the hard way. But then you set up to where they don't have to be struggling. You know, I take by, you know, like my example, I had no restrictions on sugar growing up. And today at my age, the biggest struggle that I have is sugar into today, right? And I look at my husband that did have the conversation, did understand, had limited amounts. And, you know, like it was understood that it was a treat, not a part of a daily routine. He can have a little bit of dessert. It's like, I'm good. I'm satisfied. Like, great. I'm like, how do you do that? Give me some. (laughs) So long story short, the book is about creating that conversation, but in a really fun, cute way. Okay. Basically, we're giving the kids the power. It's a reverse role. So it's cute and very funny. I love this for several reasons. One is I think stories are powerful, universally powerful, but especially with kids. And story time is such a beautiful time with parents and children to begin with. And then you're you're helping that become a time of lessons. And I've said for a long time that I think we often underestimate just how smart kids are and how much they can learn from a young age. And it all does go back to those like early conversations and not underestimating their ability to understand and not in a ever, I'm very cognizant of not being like food is bad or food is good, but like, let's understand food and let's understand and why certain foods have so many vitamins in them and what vitamins do for our body and how eating these certain things can help our gut, can help our skin. Like let them understand it. Don't maybe like dictate it from the outside. Give them the foundation to make those great choices, like you said. And I think also what you spoke to about balance and not having maybe the forbidden foods, but having the education around it. Um, So how do you navigate that with your kids? Is it like in your home environment, is it like no treats? Is it like you just don't make them often? Do you have a conversation about it and it's their decision or how do you handle it? Honestly, we go through stages, right? So when we were setting up the foundation for them, we only did like treats like Friday. So Friday night was like during the week, we didn't have any, any sweets. Unless if it was a birthday party or something like that, that's different. But if it was a regular week, we didn't have any desserts. And Friday night was like, eat whatever you want kind of night. So it's pizza night. We're going to stay up late. And what dessert do you want? Like, you know, and, and in the beginning, they would pick candy. And I'm like, okay, let's go to the store and let's go pick up some candy. And they chose the candy they want or whatever it is. And then slowly we transition to, you know what? I know you like candy, but we start learning what was in candy and what the thing, right? So be like, well, if you want to have a dessert, like don't you want to have a real dessert? Like if you can have, like don't you want to have like a, a cake or, you know, the ice cream with the toppings or this, like, you know, we're trying to have a real, real dessert. So we went from getting candy to let's go to a bakery that does stuff from real, like from scratch and let's get good stuff. Right. So we got into that. Then we got into, should we make it like, you know what I mean? Should we make something like together and make it fun? So it's going to transitions. And then now that they're older, we don't have that role of like just Fridays. We're a little bit more, you know, relaxed with it, but I watch them. So my daughter just went through a stage of like really craving sugar and plus, you know, hormone changes and all of that. I'm not going to go crazy on her. We know how it is before we get, you know, our hormone changes. Oh, we're going to go crazy for it too. Right. So I'm like, I'm watching. I'm like, okay, do your thing. 
but it was starting to get a little more. And I was like, okay, let's have the conversation out. Like, so, you know, when you do this, so we had the conversation and even like three days ago, actually, she came to me and she was like, you know, I'm past now that stage. Like I really, you know, I was really like craving, like I'm past it. Like, I don't feel like I was like, great. So then let's talk about these other things. Right. So I think that we need to respect their stages. That's just, again, my opinion. Some people go like really cold turkey and are really, you know, strict about it, which I appreciate too. I just don't know how to do it for my kids. I know that for my kids, it wouldn't be as healthy relationship for them with their personalities, right? Uh, But some kids are completely fine with not having any of it. So I think it's just respecting their stages and creating the balance. Like even in the book, we, we say, we're not telling you, you can't have ice, you know, ice creams. We're just telling you not every day, just more now and then, you know, and you can still have your donut hose. And so it's, I think it's just more of the balance and the balance. A lot of times people think it's 50, 50, but it's more like this do, you know, do as much good as you can and then have your treats and enjoy it. Yeah. And not paint them as a bad thing or a thing that there's like shame or guilt around. I think that's what, especially for women can get us in that negative relationship with food and with our bodies is that idea of like, oh, a food is bad. And now if I ate it, I feel guilty. And that's so much worse for us than probably the food was, is that like inner turmoil of now we feel guilty and bad about ourselves. And I have a teenage daughter as well. And I'm learning as I go, how to navigate that and how to model it firsthand. And um, I think a big key, like you said, if you make most of your food at home as a family, that gets you 80% of the way there because you're using whole ingredients and you have that amazing bonding time together and the kids see where their food comes from. With my kids, I've also tried to be really careful about making sure explaining food is fuel. And so if we're going to eat this fuel, how do we get the most nutrients and fuel from the food we're putting in our bodies and not that like we're just trying to eat or not eat calories to like look a certain way, especially with girls. Oh my gosh, you touched such an important point about the calories or how you look. That is such an important point. And to to your point, girls, like you have to be so uh, aware of how you present because they're already surrounded by so much and they're here, they hear from their friends, you know, like about weight, about this and stuff. So I'm so happy that you practice that with, with your family. That's a version of what I do too. You know, it's, it, it's like, you know, even for the boys, you know, my, my, you know, my little girl is like snacking too much. Like I go, I don't talk about, oh, it's not good because you're going to gain weight. I just go more into, it's just not a really good habit to have for later on in life. So if you're going to have that habit now, most likely you will have later, or you're going to have to work on it later. So like, let's work on it now. So then you don't have to, you know, cause it just, it messes up with how your body absorbs your meals and then it messes things up for your, for your gut. So I never talk about weight or this or that, right. It, for the boys, I'll go into, you know, they're very sporty and they want to, you know, whatever have the junk you know snacks that everybody else is having I was go well that's cool you can have that every so often but if you're trying to perform like if you're gonna go surf and if you go if you're gonna go play soccer and you want to have that feel that you're talking about have this because this is gonna like give you the power for your kicks and stuff right so um and I think it's key to find some moms that also think like you do, because that gives that support system that they're not just hearing from you, right? 
Yeah. And I love tying it into like, how can this fuel your body for what you want it to do? Not how you want it to look. I learned a hard lesson on that personally the last couple of years. Cause I went through a phase where I, um, actually my daughters were the reason I was able to finally face a lot of my past trauma, which led to losing almost a hundred pounds. But I realized even though I was trying to model this so well for my daughter, the last year I kept hearing her like not eat enough food and wanting to be like wear tiny shoes and be little and small. And I kept going, why is she wanting to be so small? And then I had to realize, oh, it's because for the last two years, I've been worried about being small. And instead I'm going to step into how do I model being strong and fueling my body and modeling like, oh, if I eat food that's really nutrient dense, I can go like do all these cool athletic things that feel so good. And so I've been learning that hard lesson of shifting how I model that, which I think is as mom so powerful. It's like how we show up is how they learn to show up for themselves. It really is. What an amazing um, experience to be able to share with all of us, you know, that you have. Oh, thank you. Very powerful. Very, very powerful. And I think the other flip side of this is like, there's, yeah, the foods that maybe aren't that nourishing for our body that we can learn to have a healthy relationship with. I feel like another universal mom hurdle is, what to do about helping them learn to like healthy foods. Cause there's all, I hear from every mom ever, you know, they're picky. They won't eat this thing. They refuse to eat this thing. So how do you navigate the, the pickiness on the good side? Persistence, persistence. You just have to put your foot down sometimes and go, I'm going to keep doing it until they get tired of it and they will try it. And guess what? They might not always love it, but they will eat some of it. Right. So it's very interesting. So, you know, it's a scientific thing, okay? So if you train your palate a certain way, so if you used to eat um, over-processed foods, foods with a lot of sugar, a lot of sweets, your palate, it's developed that taste. So when you try anything else, it's going to taste bad. So you can even do a test, okay? Like if you buy a, I don't know, like something that is 70% chocolate, 70% dark chocolate versus milk chocolate. If you try the milk chocolate first, then you try the 70%, it tastes way worse if you do the other way around. You see what I'm saying? Because it's a palate thing. So, and it takes time to retrain that palate, but eventually it does. Eventually it goes, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not up here on the sweets or the sours or this. I'm like coming down. I'm more balanced it out. So I think it's persistence and you have to keep just exposing them to it. Like I remember, you know, my little one went to a stage that he will only eat beans. That's all he will eat to the point where I was like calling the doctor going, I like, it was going long enough that I'm like, I don't think he's getting the all nutrients that he needs and all. And what I did was I would just go into the color concept, you know, because I like growing up in Brazil, your plate is very colorful. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go do the colors. So I went, you know, you have five colors in your plate, you know, two over here, but three vegetable colors, you have to choose two to eat, you know, and he would choose two and he would like, you know, barely take a bite, put it down, whatever. But I did that long enough you know, and different ways enough that eventually I remember like it was yesterday was sitting on the table and he grabbed a red bell pepper and start eating it. And I looked at Matt, I was like, don't say anything. Don't look. I'm like, don't move. Let him do it. I'm like, you know, sign language going, you know, don't say anything. And, and now, you know, he's, and then slowly he's starting to, to, to do that. And then we went into a throw up vegetable which my mother-in-law used to do with Matthew, which they have one vegetable. They're like, no matter if where we are, if we cook it or not, you don't have to eat it. 
but everything else we put on the plate, you have to at least have a little bit, even if you don't like it. So that kind of also gives them a little bit like, okay, I have the power of choosing one that I know I don't have to eat it, but then the other ones, I, you know, so it, you trade like a little, you know, a little deal with them and, but you have to, you have to be persistent. And I know it's a pain. It's not a fun thing. That's for sure. Yeah. I like that kind of the, and the one bite rule that you talk about of that. And with my kids, I always respect if they actually tell me they're not hungry. I respect if they say they're not hungry. I'm never like, no, you, I'm going to force you to eat even if you're not hungry. But if you tell me you're not hungry, that doesn't mean you get to go eat another food because you're not hungry. But I made all this nutrient dense food and it was my responsibility to cook it. It's your responsibility to decide if you're hungry enough to eat this food that I've made. And you can try one bite of each thing. And I've never forced more than one bite. And same experience as you, I've learned their palates adapt so rapidly, especially as kids. And they learn to actually not just tolerate, but eventually love those foods especially when I think the key you said was they have that ownership of getting to make the choice to choose it. And I love having one food that they never have to choose either. Cause then they probably still feel like sort of in control of their food choice. Yeah. So it gives them. Yeah, it's, like, oh, it's my choice. It's my choice. And you know, another thing too, that I did a lot with them when they were smaller and I still do it into today is that I will cook foods or make smoothies and don't, I don't tell them what's in it. And I would do it with something that they told me that they really don't like. So they say, you know, I really don't like kale. I can't stand kale or whatever. Right. So then, or beets, and I will make, you know, a smoothie with it or a popsicle with it or something that they have that I know they're going to really enjoy it. And I went and I go, it's got kale in it. No, no way. It's got beets in it you lie. It was like, how do you think I got that color from, you know, like, so we started the conversation and then when it's actually in the plate in a different way, they're a bit more open to it, you know? I love that. And for you guys listening, I am excited to check out this book too. I'll make sure the link's in the show notes, but I know it's available everywhere. Books are sold as well. Yeah, you can buy it at Amazon, Target, Barnes and Nobles, at your local store. Like it's a great book for your kids, cousins, for school, for any organization, because it really, it's really cute. I mean, what are the book about food that has the kid going to the parent in your face, mom and dad, like, you know, it's got that kind of fun to it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. My, my oldest son actually wrote a cookbook for kids. Um, and I found that that's like the best gift to have on hand is a book for kids. And so I think this is like another great one to have on hand of when you get invited to a last minute party or, you know, to give, like you said, to relatives, it's a great thing to have on hand. We need to get that cookbook. Oh, we'll send you a copy. It's, it's a fun one. He like spearheaded that effort. It was really cute. That's amazing. This episode is sponsored by Olipop, the fastest growing functional beverage brand in the country. They make delicious sodas that taste like the ones I remember from childhood, but with much, much less sugar and packed with beneficial natural ingredients that are good for you and good for your gut. Did you know that 90% of Americans consume way more than the USDA's recommended daily added sugar intake of 30 grams? Sweetened beverages like soda are the leading source of added sugars in the American diet. And Olipop is a great solution. They are much, much lower in sugar than conventional sodas with only two to five grams of natural sugar and no added sugar per can. Their vintage cola, for instance, has just two grams of sugar as compared to regular Coca-Cola, which has 39 grams of sugar. Their orange squeeze has five grams of sugar compared to orange Fanta, which has 44. All of their products are non-GMO, vegan, paleo and keto friendly with less than eight grams of net carbs per can. 
And they're so confident that you will love their products that they offer a 100% money back guarantee for orders placed through their website. As a special deal just for you, receive 15% off your purchase. I recommend trying their variety pack, although I love all of their flavors. Go to drinkolipop.com slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P.com slash wellnessmama. Olipop can also be found in over 5,000 stores across the country, including Kroger, Whole Foods, Sprouts, and more. This podcast is sponsored by Haya Health Children's Vitamins. That's H-I-Y-A. Did you know most children's vitamins are basically just candy in disguise? Often they're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, a lot of chemicals, artificial flavors or colors, or gummy junk that kids should never eat. Often with synthetic forms of vitamins that aren't even that bioavailable for our kids. But Haya is different. They're made with zero sugar, zero gummy junk or fillers or additives, and it tastes great. So it's perfect even for picky eaters. Haya is designed to fill the most common gaps in modern children's diets and to provide full body nourishment for our kids with a taste that we won't have to fight them on. They are manufactured in the USA with globally sourced ingredients that are each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption and quality verified. Haya arrives straight to your door on a pediatrician recommended schedule. And your first month comes with a reusable glass bottle that your kids can personalize with stickers. And then every month comes in a no plastic refill pouch of fresh vitamins, which means Haya isn't just great for your kids. It's also good for the environment and reduces waste. You can learn more at hayahealth.com slash wellnessmama and the code wellnessmama will save you 50%. So again, that's H-I-Y-A health dot com slash wellness mama make sure to use the code wellness mama to save 50 percent there's so many things i could talk to you about but another one i think it's really important i'm guessing you have really valuable perspective on is this idea that when we become moms that becomes of course our most important job like we already talked about and it can feel like kind of all-encompassing sometimes and i feel like recently there's been all this awareness of how women can sometimes like get lost in motherhood and this like the mom guilt the delicate balance you mentioned of making sure we're always showing up for our families but also making sure we're still taking care of ourselves and i know you balance so many projects and work and kids and travel. So I'd love just to hear if you have any um, kind of practical tips for other women who are feeling that overwhelm, especially over the last couple of years with how much more moms are handling right now. Yeah, I mean, just to talk about, it, I get chills. Like it's just, you know, to think about everything that we as moms, I mean, just forget about the last two years, everything that we have to do, everything that we, you know, take care of it, everything that we, Look, if you're a present mom, you put so much of what you want in the back burner. You just do. And then this last few years, it's just been, you know, forget it, right? So um, I think that I don't have all the answers. I'm still struggling like everybody else. But I have learned a few things that has helped me along the way. And I still try to always learn more, right? So I'm always like, hey, if you know some, send my way, please. But I think that organization, it's a key factor. So like in my house, I have like a big schedule in my office. Yeah, I have a big calendar with like the next three months. Like I have one big one for that month and then the next three months. Uh, In my house, I have the next six months in front of me and everybody has different colors, you know, different colors and it's right there. So like everybody in the household can go in, the kids can go in, they can look at it, my husband 
it really helps just even the practice of writing on it. You're going, oh, okay, I have this coming up, that coming up. How can I give myself like seeing the head of what you're going to need to ahead of time uh, has helped me tremendously, like tremendously. I think that again, if you are a present mom and, and you want to do it all, we always feel like we can do it because majority of the times we can, but I've learned that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to say, I need help with this. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you fail and it doesn't mean that you don't get it. It just means that at that moment you need a helping hand and it's okay to ask for it. I also learned that little breaks do wonders. So like more than I ever thought, like I used to always think, oh, I need an, a whole hour or I need a whole day or I need to go, you know, go be with my girlfriends and that's how I get my break. I'm like, when do you have time for that when you're doing all this stuff, right? So I start learning, I start taking little breaks, okay? And I would do this breathing exercises when I could. And it's very simple. I'll just sit there and just take deep breaths and do certain breathing exercises. The women of today, we talk about that. If anybody's curious, you can look it up on the website, but little breaks, like, you know, when I come home, let's say if I went to work and I get, get home, I don't go straight home. I take five minutes in the car and I just go, okay, like, what am I going to next? So that those little pauses, really helps me separate everything that's going on here to everything that's about to happen there. And then it's going to go over there again. You know what I mean? It's going to go over here, but it just helps me center. So five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever the time you have to have quiet with yourself, it's extremely important. Yeah. And I feel like you're right. It has to be intentional as a mom, because if not all of life's need to be done will infringe on that time. And then by the end of the day, you've had no time to yourself. It just rolls over. It just rolls over. And then you have to have some things that are like non-negotiable, right? Like it, when you like at your point, like I've had my point in this, through this pandemic that I was like, I'm out. I'm like, I got to go. Like, and my husband's looking at me like, what? Like, where are you going? What's going on? I was like, I need a break. Like I, I I'm, I'm at my breaking point. Like I need, a, I need to recharge. I need to fill up my cup, you know? my cup so then I can give more. So I think that as moms, a lot of times we don't, we feel guilty of saying that. And it's extremely important. You know, in Brazil, we have this thing we say, and I don't know in America, but let me try to translate it here. But it's like, basically you can't give properly if you're not in the good, in a good place yourself. So I'm trying more to practice that because I do have a tendency to let my cup super empty and not verbalize enough when I do need a break, when I do need somebody to jump in and help. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, we can't give what we don't have. And also it seems like men in general are, are very responsive. If we actually verbalize what we need, they typically want to jump in and help make our lives easier, but sometimes we expect them to be mind readers. And then we're like, yeah. why didn't you know that I was, it's also that balance of like, don't you see what I'm doing? I'm doing <laughs> And then now I'm going to be angry because you didn't read my mind. And also like not getting quite to our breaking point too. I feel like it's really helpful for me is like, if I don't wait till it gets that bad, it's much easier to recharge if my battery's not all the way on empty versus if I'm like, I, cause I've reached that point too. And then you're just like the overwhelm hits and then it's, you have to come back from a farther gap. Whereas if we are intentional about building in those moments and, and 
another important thing to model for our kids is like, we don't want to model for them that you should be self-sacrificial to the point of harming yourself. We want to model for them, like, how do you love people best? And it's by also taking care of yourself. Very true. And I didn't realize that until a girlfriend of mine actually brought that up. And I was like, you know, I was like, you're right. Like, what am I showing my daughter and my boys? Like, okay, they're going to let their wife run down to empty. They're going to just watch it and not do anything. Um, and, and my daughter, like, you just do it until you can't anymore. And my friend brought it. I was like, you know, you're right. You, you're very right in that point. And also to your point, you're right. Moms are amazingly capable and powerful. And I've heard it said, you know, we can do it all, but we can't do it all at once. Like have the systems, have the organization, have this, like the places in your life to recharge so that you can do the things you need to do, but not all at once. And we go through different stages in our lives. And guess what? Sometimes we can, sometimes we can get all done and boom, boom, and great. And then sometimes it's just the stuff is more, whatever it is, then you can you know, so I think we need to, we need to respect that, you know? And I think another key of this that you touched on a little bit is we do need help sometimes and community is so important. Like we know all the statistics about loneliness is more dangerous than smoking and all the blue zones have very strong community and community is a core part of being human. And of course that starts in our families, but I think that also is like building the support system and the community around you. It doesn't have to be elaborate. You don't have to hire people to help you necessarily, just having community for support. And I know this is part of your reason for women of today. So I want to talk about that too, because I do think like women, especially we thrive in community and we need that support system. So for people who aren't familiar, give us an overview of women of today and all of the areas it touches. I know it's a lot. Yeah. So women of today, look, if you go on the website right there, it's going to tell you what we are about. Like we have a little, you know, our, our one paragraph that explain what it is, but on a nutshell, it's basically a community-based website where we're learning from each other. And it's a community of people who want to do better for themselves, better for their households and better for the community around them, you know, that wants to make change for the better. Um, it started really with this passion of, you know, again, living in other countries, even moving when I went to the south of the United States, you know, New Orleans, even here in Texas and other places, I will go in there. And within like a matter of days, I already had the support system of people that I didn't even know who they were, I just met them, but they already told me, you know, where the school is, what doctor to go to, what did it like? It was like a very open conversation. And I'll come back to certain places and it'll be very shut down, very close, right? So when we started, we might say years ago, we weren't having these conversations that we're having today, you see? So it was, a, it was you know, a fact of let's create this community where we have a bigger conversation, broader conversation, and that we learn from each other. It's not about me telling you how to do things. It's about me going, I've done this. It worked for me. What, what have you done that works for you? And let's share and talk about it together. So that's what the website's about. And it covers recipes, wellness, beauty, uh, hacks, uh, we get into some deep stuff. We do, we do all kinds of things with, you know, we were doing events before the, the, you know, the, the lockdown happened, the whole lockdown, we did a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot with people and consistent, very consistent. And that's what the community has shared with us. The impact of being present with them consistent had, has really helped a lot of them, with their mental health throughout this whole process. We got some beautiful, beautiful letters sharing those experiences. So we try to be as present as we can and, and have fun at the same time and share some great things. 
And on that, another thing I'd love to get your take on is I feel like we're the first generation that's having to navigate technology for our kids as they grow up. Like certainly that didn't exist when I was a kid. My parents didn't have to navigate that. And um, it seems like you guys are pretty protective and private about your family life and you hold that container very sacred. And I kind of take the same approach of not letting my kids be super visible on social media when they're young, just so they have the privacy to kind of be kids and grow up without an external lens on them. But I'd love to hear any guidelines you guys have in your family culture for navigating responsible use of technology. Because I see the parallels with food, you know, like this is a thing that's going to be in their life. We we have to teach them how to navigate this well, because it's not going away. So how do you guys handle that? We really have to uh, look, honestly, we're just learning as we go. We are honestly just learning as we go. Um, we are more strict with them than majority of their friends for multiple reasons. Again, I don't like saying one thing is bad. One thing is it's, it's, it's good or right or wrong. I think that again, different families do things differently. And if it works for you, it works for you, right? Only, you know, but for my kids and for the life that we have, we have been more conservative uh, for multiple reasons. And really like, you know, once they get in there, they're exposed to so much, so much that we just want them to be a, a bit more prepared and, and have more, uh, be more wise with what they understand about different wor worlds before really saying, okay, go ahead and go explore, right? Because there's really no limitations once they get into it. Right. So we've been trying. So like, no, they don't have social medias. They don't see, you know, once in a while we show things to them that they're into on the social media and we're trying to slowly educate, but they don't, they don't have any of that. The more you can hold off, in my personal opinion, the better, because the earlier they start doing, and I've seen it, I've seen it with kids around us, like they start to become very self-conscious. Like think of like us as adults, we start doing it. And all of a sudden we start to become self-conscious, right? So they start to become very self-conscious about certain things that they really don't have to be self-conscious about at their ages, right? And they start worrying of things. And, you know, I, I saw we had this, like, this little friend, like she wanted to go to this place and she was like, no, I really want to go to this and this and this. I'm like, okay, so let's, but the whole reason that this kid wanted to go is that it can get a picture with this thing and that thing and that thing and didn't really experience the moment or the time. It was just a matter of, oh no, I need this image so I can put this image out and this image can get numbers, right? So it's, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a video game that can really mess with your mind, right? So I, I, we're, we're very conservative on right now, but with education, but showcasing to them what it is having the conversation you know we've watched some documentaries in it you know so we're, we're still giving the education about it just not the full access to it yeah we take a very similar approach and that idea that they have the whole rest of their lives to be on social media and they're going to get to learn to navigate that but also not making it entirely forbidden just like you guys because i don't want it to become the thing that's enticing because it's only because it's forbidden. Um, and just like with food, having that education around it and helping them understand this is a tool that can be used. Like the internet is a wonderful tool. You can learn so many things on the internet and you can use it for school. You can use it for creating businesses. Really, and, and the thing is too, like, you know, like you start to learn that they just want to know, they want to be in on the conversations that their friends are having. So if all their friends are talking about this thing and they 
don't know anything about it, they kind of get left out, right? So that's why I got into, well, let's have the education. Let's talk about it, you know? And I even said, if you, you know, if your friends are really into these videos or whatever, just talk to me and maybe I'll go and we'll look at it together and we'll kind of go through it together instead of going here, check it out, you know, on your own phone. Because once they click once, then it's going to the next thing, it's going to the next thing, right? Very much so. And as we get closer to the end of our time, a couple questions I love to ask, and I'm excited for your answers to the first being if there is a book or a number of books that have really profoundly impacted your life. And if so, what they are and why. Okay. So I'm not a, I don't have a lot of time to read. So I don't read a lot. And when I do read, it's more like scientific books. I know it sounds weird, but I got a little bit of a scientific mind. Uh, so like right now I'm reading a book on microbiome and it's all the stuff, you know, and research and things like that. So I would say if I have to pick one, I would say that just flat out honest, just like the Bible, because, you know, I grew up on a Catholic household and going to Catholic church. And I mean, I still have guilt from it. So I think that would be the one that has impacted me the most. I, I can understand exactly <laughs> what you mean. I grew up very similarly. You've also mentioned a couple of times originally coming from Brazil. I'm curious if any, if there's any fun family traditions or cultural aspects that you've carried into family life with your kids from Brazil, whether it's foods or activities or parts of the culture. Yeah, so much, so many, honestly, like we can talk hours about just that, but you know, I'll say this one simple one is that I always have a pot of beans in the household. So we always have a pot of beans on. <laughs> and I think I read somewhere also that you guys sometimes do like dance parties in the morning. You'll put on Brazilian music and everybody can dance. We do. Yeah. I love that. I haven't done it in a while. It's a good reminder. <laughs> I love that. And then lastly, any parting advice for all the women listening today it could be related to something we've talked about or something entirely unrelated. Oh, any advice? That's always a hard one to, to ask. You know, somebody asked me the other day, what advice would you give to your young self? So like, and if you were to have to tell your kids, right, when they get into their late teens, early twenties. And I think that, you know, on that is just to start early, like start early. Right. And I think that's a great thing to like push your kids on it too, that if you want to start a business, if you want to start a passion, if you want to start a career, just start early, because once you have kids and you have a family, it's still doable, but it's just going to be more challenging, right? It's doable. We've done it. Many people do it and all of that, but it's just more challenging. And I think that for people that are now, women that are now on our age, right, of like, I think the reality is that we're in a constant changing world. We're in a constant changing state. And it's okay to change. It's okay to change. It doesn't doesn't mean as long as you change for better, embrace the changes. I love that. Wonderful advice and a perfect place to wrap up. Where can people find you and keep learning more? Obviously, they can grab your book anywhere and check out Women of Today, but where can they find you? They can also find me on uh, Camilla McConaughey on Instagram, on Women of Today. Honestly, the website, the emails, I look at all the emails that we get. Yes, I think those two places are the best places on, on, on Instagram. But if anybody wants to send a direct message, I get an overwhelming amount of those. It's, it's impossible to get through all of them. So the email on the Women of Today website really is the best, that, like that one, we always make sure that we read and go through it. 
Wonderful. Well, I'll put links to all of that in the show notes for you guys listening. Wellnessmama.fm will have all of those. Thank you so much for your time today. This was such a fun conversation and I love what you're doing with your kids and your family and the new book. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I truly enjoyed it. Congratulations on everything. Thank you. And thanks as always to all of you guys for listening and sharing your most valuable resources, your time, your energy, and your attention with us both today. We're so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.